I have a question. Are you mowing in the dark? Welcome back to the Mowing in the Dark podcast. I am your host, Aaron Sutter. Thank you for tuning in to another Faith Friday episode. Guys, welcome. Welcome back. Or if it's your first time, welcome here. I'm just so glad that you're all here today. And uh, guys, it's Faith Friday. I got to tell you, it is beautiful outside here in Michigan. Now, it's still cold, but the sun is shining. The chickens out back are just squawking up a storm because they love the sun. It's really, really nice here in Michigan. Now, granted, it's only 17 degrees, but it's it's really nice and bright and sunny. When you live in Michigan, you learn to appreciate every little drop of sunshine you get in the wintertime because normally it's very gray and very gloomy. So, it's just wonderful. Guys, today's Faith Friday episode, we are jumping into Ephesians chapter 2. Um, the, we are going to be in Ephesians for a while here. And Ephesians is kind of a challenging book. I'm not going to lie. Or letter or whatever you want to call it. Um, it was written by Paul to the church of Ephesus. And it's it's been challenging for me this week. I've done a lot of reading, a lot of studying, and it's just it was just a rough one. So, uh, but it should be exciting. It should be good. Uh, so, without too much further ado, let's play the show sponsor, and then we'll jump right into Ephesians chapter two. As a lawn care provider, do you want to make a year-round income? Are you worried at the end of the lawn care season because you don't know how you're going to make it through the winter? Then you need to check out the 12-month contract from the Mowing in the Dark podcast. This is the same contract that Aaron uses to grow his lawn care business. This 100% editable 12-month contract template is available for only $5.99. The contract has rock-solid terms and conditions, so you are protected from all kinds of liability in lawn maintenance and snow removal. Get your 12-month contract at mowinginthedarkpodcast.com today. All right, guys, so... Before we jump into Ephesians chapter 2, I just want to give my disclaimer that I am not a Bible scholar. I didn't go to Bible school. I just love the Word of God, and I love reading it. I love sharing it with people. So, whatever I say here, if I say something wrong, please feel free to message me on Facebook, on Instagram, send me an email. Uh, all that stuff is in the description below, and I would be happy to hear what you have to say on what you think I got wrong, and and I might even change my mind on what I said, because like I said, I'm not a Bible scholar. I just do this to help spread the Word of God, to help build people up, because primarily this podcast is a lawn care business podcast, but I, in my opinion, I think we have to have a foundation, a firm foundation for our lives to have a good business. And so that's why I do these Faith Friday episodes. I also do them because I want to get God's word into people's ears. And so 
That's what I'm doing with this podcast. All right. So without any further ado, because I already said that, let's jump into Ephesians chapter two. The way I do this, I read through the entire chapter and then we go back to verse one and I break it down verse by verse. All right. So here we go. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the rulers of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the great the cravings of our gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that the coming age he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Therefore, Remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men, remember that at that that time you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now... In Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, You are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and raised to become a a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And that ends Ephesians chapter two. All right, let's go back to verse one. All right, Paul, I'm telling you, 
Ephesians is probably the worst for this, but Paul writes in run-on sentences, and it it can be really frustrating and hard to read because it just it's a continuing sentence. So it's it's tough. It's tough to read sometimes. So I apologize for the mistakes there and things like that, but it is what it is. Paul is long-winded and writes very long run-on sentences. All right. Verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. All right. So he's talking to the Gentiles here. He's saying, as for you, because if you if you listened to last week up, week's episode, Ephesians 1, we talk about how I believe, it doesn't specifically state this, but I believe Paul opens the letter talking to Jewish people, and then he switches to Gentile people. Now, I could be completely wrong on this. I'm sure I have not found anywhere in any commentaries that I have where they state that this is how Paul opens this letter, but that's how I that's how I view it, all right? So, he opened the letter talking to Jewish people, in my opinion, then he switches to Gentiles and he's still talking to Gentiles here. And then he's going to, sw- I believe he's going to switch back to Jews here in just a moment. Okay. So verse one, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. So Gentiles, we, you and I, if we're not Jewish, we're Gentiles. Okay. That's how the Bible um, just describes us, okay? We were, and we all know this, we were or are dead in our sins, all right? If we don't, if we're not following Christ, then we're dead in our sins, all right? In our transgressions and sins, all right? That's breaking, breaking the law, okay? Verse two, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the rule and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. So Paul is talking about here in verse two, that we used to live in our transgressions and sins. Um, We followed the ruler of the world. Who's the ruler of the world? Satan is the ruler of this world. Okay. He, that's what Paul says here. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. So that's the spirit of Satan, okay? Verse 3, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. So all of us, Paul is saying even him, all of us have at one time lived in the world following that sinful nature. All right. He, he, that's a very long way that Paul re- says it here in verse three to, to say we all lived there at one time. OK, like the rest of us, we were by nature objects of wrath. So we were objects of God's wrath because we weren't following Jesus and Gentiles had no way of following Jesus before Jesus came. All right, we had no way to follow Jesus. Um, we're going to get to it here in a minute, but Gentiles were not in allowed inside the the temple. They they weren't allowed in, and so we had the Gentiles had no way to to be close to God because in the Old Testament, 
that was the only way you could be cleansed of your sin was if the priest offered atoning sacrifices for your sins. Well, that was only for the Jews, God's chosen people. And so now in the New Testament, Paul is saying that there's a new way, and he's explaining it here. So let's keep going. Verse 4, but because of his great love for us, that's Jesus' great love for us, or God's great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, all right, so God, God, because God has great love for us, he's talking to Gentiles, God great love for us, and probably Jews as well here. He's probably mixing the two together. Um, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, and that's the end of verse 4 there, verse 5, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. That's the, that's the God that we serve. That's God. He, he loved us before we even knew he existed. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, even when we were breaking his law and breaking his heart, he still loved us. All right, ver, uh, let's continue with verse four here, or verse five here. It is by grace you have been saved. It's only by grace. It is by grace that we have been saved. So he's writing to the, the church of Ephesus so they know that Jesus Christ died. He's reiterating that it is by grace that we're saved, not by law, not by works. All right. Verse six, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So because we choose to follow Jesus or when we choose to follow Jesus, God raises us up. He raises us up with Christ and he seats us with Christ in the heavenly realms. That's pretty amazing. So when you choose to follow Christ, when you become a Christian or a Christ follower, as so many people say today, because the word Christian has a, a bad connotation to it, um, we are raised up with Christ to be seated at the right hand of the Father. Verse 7, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. So in the coming age, he might be able to show us there's nothing comparable to the riches of God's grace. Nothing comparable. That's what Paul is saying here. Um, let's see. Continuing with verse 7 here. Expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So there's nothing comparable to God's grace which was expressed in Christ Jesus. Nothing Nothing on this earth can express that. Nothing. Verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of your from yourselves. It is the gift of God. So this grace that God offers us, this grace that came with Jesus, okay? This grace that God offers us, it's not from ourselves. It is only through faith in Jesus Christ that we can be saved, all right? 
let's read verse 8 again. It's so powerful. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It's not from us. We can't do anything. It's not from us. We cannot do anything to earn this grace. It is the gift of God. Verse 9, not by works so that no one can boast. There is nothing we can do. There's no service we can offer. There's no no product we can sell. No no prayer we can pray that is that makes us good enough in our own. There is no works that we can do that makes us good enough for God's grace. It has to be a free gift because we cannot earn it. We are horrible, uh, just awful, depraved human beings. We can't earn it, right? That's what Paul is saying here. We cannot earn this grace. Verse 10, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So there's no works that we can do to be saved, but God prepared us to do good works. So we cannot do good works when we're, when we're not saved. Yeah, we can do kind things, sure, but good works. All right, let's read verse 10 again. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So before before we were saved, God had prepared for us good works that we are supposed to do. And these works are not works that we can gain our salvation by. These works come out of our salvation. So we do kind things for people out of our salvation, not to get our salvation. All right. And now Paul start, he switches, he shifts. He's going to shift here. Now he's going to start talking about Jews and Gentiles. All right. And this is important to understand. Okay. Especially for Jewish people, but also for Gentile people. Okay. Again, Jews are Jews. Gentiles are not Jews. Okay. That, that's the distinction. Verse 11, therefore, so now in light of, this therefore means in light of what Paul just said. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision. All right, let's stop there. That word uncircumcised, that was a racial slur. That was like calling someone the N-word. All right. That was like a white person calling a black person the N-word. It is it's terrible. It's not acceptable. All right. That is what uncircumcised is. Those who call themselves the circumcision, they were very proud. These were Jewish people like the the Pharisees. They were like, we are the circumcision. We have the only gateway 
to Jesus Christ, to God. We have the only way to him because we're God's chosen people. And you all, you Gentiles are outside of this. You are the uncircumcised. We see this in, in uh, I think it's first, yeah, first Samuel 17, where David kills Goliath. David shows up on the scene. All right. And he asks these, his fellow soldiers, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that is shouting curses at, at our God? He's offending the God of Israel. David calls this Goliath a racial, racial slur. All right. And so that's what that is. Uncircumcised. They use that as a racial slur to describe Gentiles. All right. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men. All right. Verse 12. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. So Paul is saying here, remember that at that time, when, when before Christ came, you were separate. You, you had no hope. You had no hope. You were stuck in the world and you had no way of getting out. You were separated from Christ you were excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant promise without hope and without God in the world. You're, you're in the world, all right? Verse 13, but now in Christ, I love that but now. I love it because it's, it's like, but now. It's like a crescendo in a song or the, the highlight of a movie, all right? But now. Now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Now Christ has come. Now we're equals. There's no Jew or Gentile anymore. We're equal. Jesus came for everyone. That's what Paul is saying here. We're no longer separated from Jesus. We're no longer separated from the promise. We're no longer separated from the covenant that God made. We have the same options that Israel had, that the Jews have. All right? But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Verse 14, for he himself is our peace. Who is himself? Jesus Christ or God. One, they're both interchangeable here. For he himself is our peace who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Jesus Christ came. He destroyed the barrier between the Gentile and the Jew. It's torn down, just like the just like the uh, what's what's that wall? The Berlin Wall. Just like the Ber- Berlin Wall was torn down, 
that wall is that was separating us, separating Jew and Gentile, that has been torn down. The two have now been made one and has just, all right, uh, let's read it again. I'm mixing up, mixing it up here. For he himself is our peace who has made the two, two separate, one. Now we're one. And has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, verse 15, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of two, thus making peace. So by abolishing in the flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. Now, does that mean that the Ten Commandments are, are done away with? They're gone. No. No, we still need to follow those core Ten Commandments of, of uh, have only, have no other gods before him. All those, all those Ten Commandments. I should have them memorized. I just don't. All right. And so um, we still keep those, but it's all the commandments that are outside of that. All these rules and regulations that the Jews had to follow. The, what was it? 300 and some uh, rules and regulations that the Jews had to follow. That's gone. That's done away with. By abolishing in the flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His, God's purpose, was to create, or Jesus' purpose, to create in himself one new man out of the two. Again, two were separated. He wants to make one one unit, one body out of the two, thus making peace. So peace with Jews and Gentiles, all right? No longer are we looked at as, as dogs. Gentiles are no longer looked at as dogs or less than, all right? Verse 16, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. So God put to death the hostility between Jew and Gentile through the cross. Verse 17, he came and preached peace to you who were far away and and peace to those who were near. So who was far away? The Gentiles were far away. We couldn't enter in to the temple. We were far away. We were held at arm's length. And he also came and preached peace to those who were near, who were near. The Jews were near. They could enter in. We could not. The Gentiles could not. All right. 18. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Through Jesus Christ, we both, the Jew and the Gentile, have access to the Father by one spirit. That is really good news. That is amazing. I I love that. We're no us Gentiles, we're no longer separate. We're no longer held at arm's length. Now we can join in. We can be saved. We can have communion with the Father. Verse 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens. Gentiles are no longer foreigners and aliens. We're, we're no longer outcasts. 
but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. We're fellow citizens. It's like, if you want to think of it this way, it's not this way, but if you want to think of it this way, we are now considered Jews. All right, now that's completely wrong, but it's just trying, I'm trying to paint a picture that there's no longer Jew or Gentile, but it's like we were grafted into the Jewish faith. All right, we don't have to be circumcised. And circumcision is not a physical circumcision anymore. It's a circumcision of the heart. All right, circumcision for the Jew was just a symbol. All right, for Gentiles, it's, it's, it's the heart. All right. We are members of God's household. Verse 20, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. All right, so built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. In my commentary, it says that this, there is no reason to believe that this is the old, referring to the Old Testament apostles and prophets. Okay. Because they did not in the old Testament, they did not have any, any knowledge of the church. All right. So this is referring to the apostles, the 12 apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. So maybe the prophets, maybe in my mind, it does refer to the prophets that foretold of Jesus coming and his death and resurrection, but it, it kind of mixes the two there. And that makes sense to me. So I, I'm going to go with that. But but I understand what, what William McDonald was saying in the commentary that I use, the Believer's Bible commentary, that it doesn't really refer to the Old Testament, all right? And Jesus Christ himself as the cornerstone. So the foundation, he's talking about a built on a foundation and the cornerstone holds up the whole building. You have to have a firm cornerstone in order to hold up the whole building. Some, some people believe that in an archway made of stone, they have the keystone, which is at the top. And that, if you take that out, the whole thing falls down. So some some Bible scholars believe that that's what is meant by the cornerstone. Either way, either way, I think it that Jesus, I think it's exactly what Paul means here is that Jesus is the cornerstone. He's the foundation. He's part of that foundation holding everything up because Jesus is a servant. So it would make sense that he would be on the bottom holding everything else up because he is the servant of servants. He gave his life for us so that we could take on his sacrifice, his blood, so that God would look at us and see Christ. And so that God would look at Christ and see us. That's what happened on the cross. God, when he looked at Jesus, he saw us. And when he looked at us, he saw Jesus. And that's what it means. That's the power of the cross. All right, verse 21. 
In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple of the Lord. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. So this is talking about a building, but really what he's getting at is the body of Christ. All right. Verse 21, or I'm sorry, verse 22. The final verse here, and in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. He's talking about the body of Christ. And in him, you too are being built together, Jew and Gentile, to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And that ends Ephesians chapter 2. Guys, there was some powerful things in here. And it is hard to understand. I would encourage you to continue to go back to Ephesians chapter 2 and read it and reread it and study it. Get yourself a Bible commentary. It can. I don't care if it's the Believer's Bible commentary. I don't care if you get a different one. Just get something that expounds the word. Um, I mean, in in the in the Believer's Bible Commentary, they have like six pages of stuff just on Ephesians chapter two, and it goes deep, and it it expounds on it. And I I don't have the wisdom to expound on it that much, but I'm telling you guys, Ephesians is a rich book of just deep stuff, theological stuff. And so I encourage you to continue to read it. I read this every single day this week, and it it's still hard to grasp some of it. Um, but I, I trust and I, I, I believe what I can understand. And I'm going to continue to go back to it and continue to expand my understanding. Because that is so much of what the Word of God is. That's why this book, the Bible, never gets old. Because we're always expanding. The the Holy Spirit is constantly expanding our understanding of the Scriptures. As we read, as we continually be sanctified by the Holy Spirit through the reading of His Word, we gain a deeper understanding. You could study this word, this Bible, for thousands of years and only scratch the surface. And so I encourage you, please, I implore you, I beg you, get into the word of God daily. Read a chapter a day. It's not that hard, especially in the New Testament. I read a chapter in the Old Testament and a chapter in the New Testament every day because I want the old. I love the stories in the Old Testament, and I am shocked by some of the stories in the Old Testament. My God has just been opening my eyes to the, the, the depravity that the people that he chose to use have had, like David. David was a depraved person, all right? He was, he was sinful. I mean, when we think of sin, when we think of David, we think of this guy who was 
after God's own heart. That's what the Bible says. He was David was a man after God's own heart, but he was utterly sinful. He committed murder. He he committed adultery. In fact, the two went together. He committed adultery and then had the lady's husband killed in battle. He was a depraved person, but he was still a man after God's own heart. He still desired to to please God, even though he screwed up. And that's us. That's us. I desire to please God, but I, I continually screw up. And I think we all do. We are all sinful. But praise God for his grace. Praise God that we can be included in the promise that he made to, the, to Israel. That we can be saved. There is no longer Jew or Gentile. We are one. We are one body under one head, which is Jesus Christ. That is so powerful and so beautiful that we can be forgiven of our sin and we can be raised to life in him and we can be a part of this one body underneath the one head, Jesus Christ. It's just beautiful. It is so beautiful. Guys, I hope this was helpful for you today. I hope you got something out of it. Uh, it was it was hard for me. I'm not going to lie. It was a struggle for me this week. But that's what we are called to do, is struggle with the Word of God, to wrestle with it, to learn, to grow. It's stretching. To, to understand some of this stuff, it can be very stretching. And so, guys, I encourage you, I implore you, I beg you to get into the Word of God daily, to read a, at least a chapter a day. If I had more time, I would spend most of my day reading this word because it is just chock full of just so much goodness, so much power and and just grace and just knowledge. And I'm just so thankful for God's word. So guys, with all that being said, I'm going to close it out here. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that this was helpful for you, that you got something out of it. And I will see you in the next Faith Friday episode for Ephesians chapter three. See you later.